Welcome to the Millennial Diner Podcast, where we're here to talk everything emo, punk, and coffee. Um, I am here. I, my name is Jeff, and uh, I'm here with my, my buddy, Phil. Say hi, Phil. Hello, everybody. And we are, we are at the Millennial Diner, which is a fictitious diner in our minds, where we get to relive the days where we used to hang out in diners and talk about our favorite punk and emo music. And that's what we're going to be doing here. So since we're at a diner, Phil, I think we should start with our order of the day, don't you think? That is a great idea. What are, we, what are, we, uh, what are you ordering today? Well, today I'm going to have a tofu scramble um, with a side of uh, sourdough toast with uh, smashed avocado on top of it. Little, uh, little, little avocado toast, and uh, I'm very excited about it. We'll probably have some hot sauce on there too. Oh, and, and obviously a cup of coffee. Obviously, that sounds very tempting. That sounds very tempting. Um, I think, uh, I think today I'm going to go with uh, rye toast with a little bit of butter Ooh. and black coffee. I think that's a little bit of butter. A little bit of butter. Just a little bit of butter. Not a lot. No, I don't like toast. I don't like. I, I like toast with butter, not butter with toast. You know what I mean? I understand. How do you feel about the little packets of jam? I no no jam. No jam. No jam. No. Jam. Mm. no. I'm not a jam kind of guy. I don't I don't sit back and think of jam. Really? Yeah. You never just think, Well, you know what's funny? I I used to be a jam guy. Big jam man. You know, a jammer. You know? I I liked NBA jam and I liked the NBA jam. jam that that was good. Shrub, no, but I've never been a jam on bread kind of per, well, just jam in general. I don't. I know. I mean, I know people who will eat jam. I don't even. Why? Well, that's that's strange to me. They're just eating jam from a jar. But but hey, everyone has their own their own thing, right? What they you like. know. But well, that's well, that's what makes us great. This is an inclusive show. We we care about people who eat jam straight from jars. Yes, but I actually don't do that anymore. What I what I you know I went to jam. I went to preserves. Because I like oh. I like the chunks of fruit in there, you know. I wanted to feel like, oh, this is great. And then one day I was like, why am I even wasting time with fructose syrup at all when I can just put blueberries and blackberries right on my toast? You know, that's iterative. That's iteration. I like that. You learn something, you try. You're like, no, let me try something else. And I'm gonna go do that. I like, yeah, why not? You just you simplifying it. Yeah, I was a Skippy peanut butter, mm. strawberry preserves kid, and I'm a adult with natural peanut butter and uh, berries on top of some kind of bread product. So that's where I'm now, at. Now I kind of want a peanut butter sandwich. I got to be honest. No jam though. No, not even going with the jam. Well, no. speaking of jams, Phil. Right. We're here to speak about our favorite kind of jams. Not, uh, strawberry, not strawberry preserves. We're talking about our jams, our favorite songs, our favorite albums, our favorite bands. Let's talk about that. Right. So yeah, so why don't we like set the stage here? Uh, we are calling yeah. this episode zero. Um, I got the idea from uh, Marvel and DC Comics in the late 90s when they decided to make zero issues for all their comics because, <laughs> oh, Image did it too, I think. And they all did it. It was, a, it was a trend. It was a trend. You know, you've had 30 years of these comics and they're like, 40 years of these comics and they're like, you know what? Why don't we do an issue zero? And we do whatever we want before it started. So this is our issue zero. Um, it's much better than the foil cover. That was a big thing back then too. Like everybody had the foil cover and like five versions of it. So let's just go with... Episode zero before the start, but I am I am wrapped in foil. It it's true. I down yes wrapped in yeah. foil. Yeah. Uh, the windows all, all <laughs> foil around all over. foil. You lucky I don't have my foil hat on. <laughs> all right. Well, so I was saying we're getting to the jams. Let's let's set the stage first. Um, we are, we are both originally from. Am I allowed to say the truth? We are both from this place called a mystical land called Long Island. It's true. 
We grew up on Long Island, never in Long Island. Never on in Long, Long Island. Island. You know how often I have to explain that to people? It's on. It's never in Long Island. You're you you on Long Island. I don't yeah. and I don't know why, but that's the know. way it is. Well, because most people live in a city. Like like they they'll say like I live, but we are we are literally no, we don't live in this place. We are on top of this island. The island is not very deep. I I believe no. ge- geologically speaking, I think it's it's kind of just floating on water there a little bit yeah. i don't know and and it's not very um well it's long hence the name but not right. wide we're not called right. wide island that'd be very different we're only like three miles wide um as opposed well, to the length of it well you know we also can just help everybody out and just that we're, we're from strong island that's how we <laughs> kind of like assert our toughness to the city folk you know let them know that there's nothing long about this it's all strong that's right that's right. Be prepared to deal with the Strong Island. That's correct. Exactly. So being from Strong Island, uh, there is a heavy culture of diner culture there. I mean, I think that the the beauty of Long Island, if there is any, is uh, their diner and pizza place, bagel place situations, where the, the key is, it's not like, if someone says, oh, do you know the great diner in, in a town or a city? Someone will have a favorite diner in town, in the town or city. Right. So they'll be like, oh, you should go to... Uh, Flows or Moe's or what have you. But the thing, the, the key with Long Island is it doesn't matter which diner you go to, you are getting pretty much the same experience, the same right. kind of food, the same, I don't know, everything, decorum, everything. It's all, it's all, it's all the same. And that is what makes it special because you could be in any town and have the exact same experience of someone in a different town. That's good. And you know what? And if you're driving down the road and you're like, you know, I don't really like the look of that particular diner, just keep going. Give it like 30 more feet. You'll find up three. Exactly. It's it's everywhere. And it's all, you know exactly what you're getting, you know? If you want cheese fries, you can get cheese fries. I know we've sat with people who've had many plates of cheese fries in our day. So cheese fries, flapjacks, uh, as our one friend used to call them. Um Butter toast, that's where I live and all that. Um, uh, pizza bagels, you know, that's a, that's something I miss, pizza bagels, because just so everybody knows, neither one of us live there anymore. Uh, we, we don't, left. Yeah. No, we, are, we, one of we, us we, we were not strong enough for Strong Island, so we nope. uh, we went our we went our own ways. Um, I'm, in, I'm in Los Angeles, California, which uh, I ought to say Long Island traffic prepared me greatly for living here because everyone comes to Los Angeles, like, oh, the traffic's terrible. I'm like, this just feels like Long Island. It feels like Long Island. Yep. No. And I live up in New Hampshire, which uh, is great because there's no one here. And right. so when I go on the road, I just can zip where I'm going now, uh, which is a benefit because I, I've learned I can't take traffic anymore. But now and again, I do have to go into Massachusetts and hit some traffic, which is always a lot of fun because then the Long Island me comes back where I'm like, OK, yeah. I have to start weaving and getting my way through things. I did. So naturally, it's a regression that just magically appears. It's pretty fun. Well, I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that's still alive within you, and it, and it shows itself at times. It's important to keep that part of you alive, um, you know, even if you are far from, as we call it. Well, um, it's the root. It's the roots, right? It's like this, much like with this show. It's it's remembering your roots from where you came. Right. And we, we you know, cut our teeth in the punk rock, emo, hardcore scene at a very, uh, I, I guess it was just, it was a very rich time of the scene was happening. The scene felt like it was happening all around us. Uh, there were bands who came up around us who became gigantic in the world where, where sometimes I didn't realize that until I like traveled away and I found out like, wow, sure a lot of people have taking back Sunday shirts here in Disneyland in California. What? 
I thought that was a Long Island band, but no, no, no. They are the world band. Very much so. Well, yes. Yeah, so on that, uh, we, we, much like our generation, many people, as we now, as we're all getting old now and being nostalgic, there are now festivals like when we were young fest that just happened here in Vegas, which was basically when I saw the lineup, I, you know, I blacked out, hit my head, you know, came to was like, it can't be real. It can't be all these bands all at once, but it was, but that's also because we are all now adults and we, uh, you know, we live in a capitalistic society, so we need to buy things and spend money to feel like we're alive. So why not spend money on concert tickets to the bands that we loved 20 years ago? Absolutely. Why not? Absolutely. It's, yeah. it's, well, you get to that age, you're like, you know what? I'm going to invest in my youth uh, and go back and buy the stuff that I wish I had at the time. So I'm going exactly. to see some concerts. I'm going to see concerts to the bands that, that I was like, you know what? But then again, we did see some crazy uh shows where um the one that always comes back to me is the the night we saw uh alkaline trio and mm-hmm. brand alkaline trio brand new take it back sunday that was all one show yeah right that was that yeah. was all one show and in, in a ethical humane society like uh conference room right like that was the place yeah. where the shows were right it was the strangest setup and i just remember i'm just and looking back on now i'm like wow that is a you know how expensive that ticket would be right now for those three bands on one show? My goodness. Well, that's I was just thinking like I that that was probably about a ten dollar ticket, if if that, right? If that 10, 12, 8, Maybe, somewhere yeah. around there. Yeah, not a lot. And then now that'd be well over a hundred for something like that, I bet. 75? Let's do 75. It'd be a lot, Bill. That's all I'll say that much. I know uh Blink 22 tickets recently went on sale for the return of Tom to the band. Yeah, um, I'm sure we'll talk about that at many times over the course of this podcast. But mm-hmm. they, uh, the tickets had this sliding scale now. The Ticketmaster gets to do because they're a monopoly, and for some reason they uh, can can pull this move where, like, if there's a lot of interest in the tickets, they have a sliding price. Yeah. So within within 30 seconds, the seventy dollar Blink One Eight Two tickets were going for at least five hundred. Oh. And while oh. I love Blink One Eight Two. Uh, even I, even here as an adult, I don't know if I want to spend five hundred. There's a lot. There's a line I'm not willing to cross, and I think yeah. that I, I think that's it. The five hundred five hundred bucks for one ticket is absurd. Absurd. Yeah, I miss, I miss the old days. I, uh, old days where it was ten, twelve bucks, fifteen. Like God forbid, it was like eighteen or twenty. Um, I think I'm pretty sure there was a Green Day show at Irving Plaza that would have been about twenty, maybe twenty five. Um, I think that's that show that was with the Living End, if I remember right. Uh, I was late to that show. You met, I met you there, and I missed the Living End, and I was pissed because that was the sh- I wanted to see the Living End. I never got, didn't get to see them that time. I oh, forget why it, I was late, but it, it was the Roseanne Ballroom. That's what it was. Yes, you're yes, right. Yes. Okay, yes. Yeah. Uh, great show. Great show. Great show. Great. great, great they killed it. Great, great. Yeah, they killed it. Um, so yeah, going back when we were younger. Speaking of when we were young, we met. High school, mm-hmm. right? That's correct. I, th- I think we, we kind of knew of each other in middle school, but we really met and was aware and interacted more in high school. Well, I think it's because we had, and I will wax poetic about this to anybody who listen. In our high school, we were we had a beautiful gift of a wonderful art department. Mm-hmm. In particular, in our department, we had a film and video department. Correct. Uh, it was run by our beloved teacher, Miss Smith. Um, who was the the greatest teacher, the coolest teacher, because she just 
understood that, you know, the adolescents, they're, they're out there, they figure themselves out, but she made a very safe place, especially for those who are a little bit more, you know, a little bit more nerdier, not in like the smart chemistry way, but like they like their comics. They like, you know, they love movies. They love punk music. And then and for some reason, it, that kind of became a, like a clubhouse, as it were. Yeah. But I, well, with, with Miss Smith, it was funny because she, looking back on it now, it's probably one of the first and few educational, psychologically safe environments I feel like I had. And it was definitely because she created the sense of, like you said, clubhouse that we're young, but we're trying to figure it out. But then we wanted to do videos and she would always be supportive of whatever kind of art arts we'll call it that we wanted to do if it was music if it was video if it was painting and so on and so forth um she created that environment for us and i think a lot of us thrived in that um and that's where you and i met where we were working both on video the video yearbook at one point i think of what it was yeah and that that was basically where we would just take out you know the, the video cameras and mm-hmm. and just go around and get footage of school and then at the end of the year we would edit together over fun music just remember don't get a middle finger on camera because you always failed that day you right. got you got you got a zero that day if you yeah. had it and then you know you inevitably you'd go out and capture it and then you'd be like man why did you do it? and then you have to like go back rewind it and then record over it so you didn't get the zero for the day amazing <laughs> <laughs> i remember wow. it was, it's instant zero and you were like shit why did i just have Man, thanks so much for giving me a zero for the day. I appreciate you. Well, Phil, I want you, I want to make you feel better because this is a, an audio medium here. So please feel free to give as many middle fingers as you want. No yeah, zeros. I, right? No zeros today. I'm very excited about this. Um, <laughs> maybe that's, uh, yeah, no, that's probably why I spent so much time giving other people the middle finger when I got older because I was like, I can't do it in the video room. I'd get in trouble. Right. That's understandable. Let so, it fly. So that's where we met. I think our friendship really blossomed. Uh, we were both we both went to different schools right after colleges, right after high school, and then it's kind of like about the time we probably lost touch because we just didn't see each other. Right. Um, you had ended up getting a job at a comic book store in the mall, and I would go to the mall, and because that's what you did on Long Island when we weren't diner or at shows, you were at the mall, mm-hmm. and I ran into you, and you told me you were going to a new school called Hofstra University, and I said that's funny, I'm going there too. And uh, we'd be kind of like, we're like, well, great, let's hang out. And by hanging well, out, it meant let's go to movies and go to shows. That's right. Well, and it was beneficial because we were both transfer students at that point. It was like, I don't know anybody here. You don't know anybody here either. We know each other, though, so let's band together. And through that banding, I guess, uh, is that we like, okay, let's, we both like the same stuff. We're into the same music. We're into the same movies, uh, TV shows, video games, whatever. And that, Again, we were like, let's go check out bands. And because Hofstra, if anybody knows, uh, what, you're 30 minutes away from the city? Like, yep. And, and for everybody else who doesn't know, the city, well, it's you're from Long Island. If I reference the city, that means I'm talking about New York City. There is no other city besides New York City. Well, you know, it's funny, Phil. Like, I don't know if I ever told you this story, but part of the reason why I chose Hofstra was because of the proximity to the city and mostly to go to shows. Because around, <laughs> you know, there was just so many shows on Long Island in the city and even New Jersey at the time. And I, before that I was in a school upstate New York and there was nothing around to, and no one's for some reason, I was just like not around the kids who like that stuff anymore. Like they just weren't in the, whoever I met with at that school, they just, they weren't into it. Like I was, were they just, 
were they just not at that school or were they just like they no they, they, they definitely were but like i okay. think i was just and you know freshman year i just ended up in the wrong group not the wrong group but a different group a group that showed me had a shared interest in other things but the music was i was kind of on my own i felt like mm-hmm. to the point where i remember driving to Cortland, new york on during a snowstorm which i shouldn't have done because the ataris were playing in a small place oh. and i was like well i gotta go with this and I did, and it was a fantastic show. Actually, the first show I went to by myself, too, which was a big moment to learn that you could do that. I feel like there's a certain point you learn that you can go to things yourself and how awesome it can be. Right. Um, and that was my first one for that. And then around then, I'm like, man, I really need to be closer to the city because I miss going to shows. And that kind of was a big part of my drive to transfer. because And it, and it worked out great because uh, that's what we did. We went to so many shows. I, can't, I mean, how many times have we seen Newfound Glory? I mean, honestly. I it's it's uncountable i newfound glory was the hardest working band in the world still is to this day i still believe is. they are they still tour constantly but they 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 just were they it felt like every two months they were back in the area and right. the, the the beautiful thing about newfound glory and shows the scene at that time i think was it, it was an eclectic group of bands you got a little bit of everything and that that right. was my favorite part about that scene because I was like always trying to decide what the definition of an emo and punk were. And I'm like, is this emo and punk? But what is this? This is completely different. This is a sad man. This is a sad man with an acoustic guitar singing. But now here's a band screaming a whole bunch. I mean, but I loved it all. So, but well, everything, well, everything was, well, that's, what's great about the, that genre of, of emo in general and punk um, is that it's, it's funny like thinking about that definition. I actually, I was, I was thinking about that actually with the, how would you define punk and emo? Now versus then? I'll get, you go either answer. Back then, how would you do it? Or how would you do it now? Well, I think it's, I mean, you can you can just talk about this for forever, debate this. Ever. I mean, and, and I think this is true for a lot, majority of the bands we're going to talk about. I think the punk ethos is kind of where it all is born out of. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, what was punk in the late 70s? when it kind of first got coined versus what was punk in the 80s and like you know the dc scene and the hardcore scene to the birth the technical birth of emo out of that to what hot topic was selling and (laughs) and, you know and then there was definitely people who'd be like oh that's not real emo or that's Mm -hmm. not real punk and i think that as the years have gone on i like using the yeah i like using punk emo as kind of like that uh subsection of like rock music basically that oh, yeah. to me yes it's all music is emotional so you can always say that right and you know people argue what actually is emo and some people would say like oh you know paramore is not emo and it's like well yes they are. they are and then even though they have a their new album which by the way is fantastic and it is a pop album and it's amazing it's a pop rock album it's very has very little to do with what they started with mm. in terms of sound but like to me they're just those bands will always be considered emo or emo punk because that's kind of like the root of what they started with. And I mm-hmm. think to me, I'm just going to like put my heart on my sleeve, write songs that, that, you know, it don't need to be too, they don't need to be Radiohead songs. They can just be some chords and, and you go out there and you let the emotion kind of really drive it more than anything else. So that, that to me is what it is. I mean, ultimately, I don't know if the, full definition of punk and like the rebel against society part of it sticks very much there are certainly bands who still keep it political and do that kind of thing but for the most part the stuff that i love 
really came out of just the the aesthetic of the sound see what i like i love i love where you went with that because it was very similar to how i was kind of because I, I started asking myself the question i'm like well what what is it then first now or for me you know back then when we were younger i have a feeling that's a phrase i'm gonna be saying a lot um <laughs> when we were younger i felt that punk and emo lyrically said the things i wanted to say though i didn't know how to say it so well um and then tonally the sound was the sound i felt if you could make an emotion out of a sound that was that's what i would do with i would say that the the you said emotion the sound coming from the bands that the, this voracious tonal onslaught is how i felt um and i think that's made a real good connection for me it's people coming together we're different right but it's okay to be different uh you could you, you could like paramore and call it emo man cool i think that's awesome i agree um you look into the bands and you're like okay there was a sense of belonging to something bigger than yourself and when looking at the two separate though the emo versus punk if you want to get into like a versus thing it's like there's a magnifying glass on different things under the same kind of subgenres, where for me, punk was more of a magnifying glass on the environment in which you found yourself, right? The social, political, com your community, what that looked like. That's kind of putting a magnifying lens or lens just on your environment. But the, for emo, it was so it was different. It would be more putting a magnifying glass on ourselves mm -hmm. and how we felt and how do we feel about everything. So you couple them together. I always thought punk was kind of more of an external um way of looking at things and then versus emo is more of an internal and so when you get those bands that kind of made those like newfound glory for me i think kind of made that uh that connection the bands like that where they're looking at both it's not just here's the environment like because you can go into pennywise and you can read about society and all about and, and that's all a lot of it's external but then the other bands uh where it's more internal that'd be your emo bands um and then kind of that coupling in between is where that happy Venn diagram in the middle, where you have the looking at both the external and the internal. That's amazing. That's a really well way to say it. I, I love the internal versus external lens that you're putting on both of them and how that gets there. Um, I just, it, but it's funny, but that's years later, right? Like back then, never could have explained what that really means. Back then, I was like, this shit is loud. It sounds like how I want to sound, how I feel. I think that's like, that was what the immediate connection was. And when then, um, some of my favorite bands I found just because I like the way they sounded, not literally what they said. And then the lyrics came second. I was like, oh, these guys are actually, I like these. They're actually talking about something. I appreciate that. It's interesting because I think my my first connection to was about the introspective lyrics. It was hearing songwriters, because like, you've always heard songs about love or breakups and things, but like, it felt like, the bands who I think rose to the top, especially, were, were storytellers and the songs right. were stories. And they were about, you know, and at, at that time, especially when you're in your adolescence, you're looking for something to reflect back to you that's you and to sh basically to show you're not alone in the world. Because at that right. point, you know, your stew of emotions that you're going through as you are having first big life experiences for the first time, it's easy to kind of feel wondering who you are and to hear a song that's like singing back to you what it's like to be you. I remember like, I think it was the, the third uh, Motion City soundtrack album has a song 
you know, it's called, uh, I'm blanking on the name right now. We'll look it up later. Dinosaur Life is the name of the album. And there's a song on there. And it, it, the singer is in the point of view of someone who's watching Veronica Mars at home. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm watching Veronica Mars. Yeah. So it, I don't know. It, it really, uh, it just, That's it was funny. like, it was a little bit like, oh, this is really catering to me. And I like this a lot. And mm. And that's that is like I think a very not I don't want to say shallow but it's like I think that's what the music was meant for. It's supposed to be like oh I feel something I don't think about it too much and it's reflecting back to me and 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 the music is fun and fast. And if you like that feeling, that's what you're, what you're getting out of this. And it's uh, yeah. Well, with it, with it, it's like you. Oh, I like what you said. That it's like it's it's um, I can't stand. Um gatekeepers where they're like oh paramore's not a you know like oh, come on guys like look if you get like i can't stand up people like we'll name three songs i'm like i don't give a shit if i can name three songs i listened to an album guess what i enjoyed it i got something out of it um because w- what i love about punk and emo is it runs the gamut man you've got crazy uh, such a spectrum to 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 land on because i said remember before you got pennywise all right so you got i've heard them referred to as what was it uh bro punk right which is kind of like i'm like all right um but it's fast paced they've got great hooks um they've got really catchy choruses that you can sing along like the call and answer is always a lot of yeah. fun but then on the other end of the spectrum let's go a little more lighthearted right let's uh lighthearted to a degree like bouncing souls much more lighthearted the ramones were uh, all about relationships and like meeting the girl down at burger king to get a chicken sandwich you know like that was uh what they brought into but the let's go back i can take that parallel again go right over to the sex pistols again loud aggressive more about politics um it's just so it's funny that this i don't see that spectrum in any other genre i don't i don't think you i don't think you can have it well i think and that's i think that's ultimately why you could have a thing like a warp tour or the mythical now skate and surf fest that used to happen in the early 2000s in New Jersey in Asbury Park, which I'm sure we'll talk about it from time to time because still some of the greatest concerts experience I've ever had. Um, you could have all these different bands on the same bill. Like you can go go around and, and, and that was the that was the scene. And I think we could that's where we step back. It's it's not so much about if this band is punk, if this band is emo, if this band is hardcore, if this band is screamo, if no. this band is new, you know metalcore, whatever you want to call these different subgenres of the genre, which I think it all is. I think it's all a subgenre of right. punk, punk rock. All these things fall right. under that umbrella. What what they do is, and this is true for at least at least in the United States, in different different cities, different towns, different suburbs of cities, scenes grow out of the local bands and people's love for these music. And then you start right. going to shows, you see the same people at the show because it's become like this like clubhouse in itself you know mm-hmm. it's it's mm-hmm. reflecting back isn't that what we're looking for and you may not be friends with everybody at the show but like for a moment when you're all singing along together it's uh you know it's a powerful it's a powerful experience well it's it gets back to like the community that you're not alone right um i think for a lot of people a lot of people get into um punk and emo around the same time Right, middle school, late middle school, early high school, maybe around there. Which, if you look at it, that's a transitory time in one's life, right? And you start emotions come in, you start thinking other things. Uh, you know, different bodies changing, hormones changing. Obviously, emotions are changing, 
and then sometimes you come across um a sound you just kind of resonate with you that kind of it, it's the like i said the, the tonal version of how you feel and then when you go to shows like i still remember the going to my first few shows um what was my first show now i'm trying to remember what my very first show was gosh i can't i don't even know i know the actual first show i ever saw smashing pumpkins the madison square garden uh i started to think when my first like punch hard, hard to beat that hard to beat that right but it was the one it was uh, yeah they actually that was the show they had to postpone because of all the shenanigans that happened uh about the smashing pumpkins um but i remember going to punk shows and like you said everybody starts singing along and you're like everybody else is digging this just as much as i am right and then what really gets me is when I go when I go to see shows and like we go crazy for like the the quiet song and every I'm the one everybody slept on, but it was always a great song. And then they play and you're like, look, other people like like that's amazing. I'm not weird that I like this song. Other people like this song as well. I mean, that just it makes you feel like I said, you're part of something um, bigger than what you than you. I mean, I have a question for you. And because this yeah. is how this is how I process music for most of my life. Um, you know, I, I tend to see everything like in my life as a movie. So that means I need to have soundtracks over my life. Oh and yeah. That, that was, that, that was like my favorite songs were ones that I could like, you know, picture a montage in my life to that song, or that's playing <laughs> in the background of like a big moment. And it's like slowly getting faded in. And I feel like that's what I was looking for at the time at that adolescent stage music that was going to heighten my life experience and and feel like add to it like like a, a movie soundtrack does or show soundtrack and now when I look at it I'm like yes there's nostalgia which obviously you know as South Park you know always points out member berries you know is the things that are constantly given to us so we can keep buying stuff from our youth um and then also it 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 continues to like grow in its importance because it's, it's not so much like oh, woe is me, I need to listen to this song because I feel sad about, you know, a breakup or, or like, oh, this person doesn't like me or or my friend's a jerk to me now. And, you know, it, though, because though, I've had those experiences. I, yeah. I had, you know, you go through growing up, you, you start to have these different kind of ups and downs in your life and like the goods and the bads. And like these songs for me, kind of like, even the ones that were sad that were like angsty because I was like feeling sad when I was younger, now they kind of make me feel great. Like or they right. always have, but now, now that's what it's about. It's like, if I'm having a bad day, there are songs I put on that just instantly make me feel better again. They, right. they kind of like re reignite my spark. What, what is there any particular song like right out of the gate? You can say, right. Like you think about right now and you're like, man, that makes me happy. Just thinking about it. I have my, my number one go-to song okay. that when, when, when life is a little shitty and kind of kicks your ass a little bit, Whatever that is, whether it's, you know, something major in your life or, oh, you know, the gas prices went up again. Uh, and I'm like downtrodden for that moment. Like, oh, this sucks. Uh, famous Last Words by My Chemical Romance. Last song on Black Parade. Great song. It, Great song. It, it's, 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 it's a drug to me. I mean, it just, it, it fills me with like this confidence that like, oh, I can do anything. Not, I can, I can take on any, any challenge and I'm going to come out on top and, you know, walk through the well, fire. That's right. It's the last few words in that song. I think it's where that's going to come from. Like that, I am not afraid to walk this world alone. I mean, I think that's just a, yeah. that is like someone else gets it. Like, and it, but then you can hear it, 
and you can hear, like you said, with the confidence that Gerard's talking with the confidence of that. And you're like, I can be that way too. And I can be just as confident about that too. I love that about that song. Well, and, and, and the bridge, the bridge of that song where, you know, ah. awake, I'm not afraid, asleep or dead. Like, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it, and that will, I'm sure we'll talk much about my chemical romance and the brilliance oh, yeah. of what they do. But the, the way that it's so simple, succinct, that's what you get from punk, right? Like, it's, it's mm -hmm. just, this is an epic song. Don't get me wrong. That album, Black Raid, is, is a opera, right? It's a rock opera. Yeah. Uh, right. And it, but when it comes down to it, it's just like distilled emotion into a few words and it means so much. And that again comes back to why I love, I love this kind of music and yeah. I love this yeah. music and I love the music that it, it showed me from like the, dare I say the descendants that we, of bands that we listen to, or mm -hmm. we, we are, the bands we listen to are descendants of other bands, like the <laughs> descendants. And I loved learning about that and going back and like finding these bands who I missed because either I was too young or um, I just was too too busy like thinking about, well, these are the bands that matter, not these. But over the years, I've gone back and I've like got an appreciation for so many of these bands who came before and really shaped the scene as it is. Yeah. And, you know, it's fun to think about who who would be on the Mount Rushmore of punk emo uh, if they had to make one. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I'm going to approach this from a personal standpoint. What I, if I was going to do this? If I could sum up for me the big four, right? The the what four I would imagine like that really shaped the way I looked at it. Do you want to go one for one? Do you want to go the whole list? Well, I think I think we could do the whole list for this one. Okay. All right. All right. So if I'm going to do a big four, yeah, I got to start. I have to start with where it began for me, which was Green Day. We're going to start with Green Day. Okay. Dookie came out. It's bonkers. Like, I just remember listening to it. Like, FOD. Like, if you, if I need a song to pick me, like, perk me back up, I'm putting on FOD. And I'm going to scream as it gets to the, the when all the band comes in. It's so great. Um, but then around that same time frame, I'd have to go to the second band that I, that I really embraced, which for me was Bad Religion. Oh, yeah. Big, big BR fan. Um, I remember the album that hit, and I was like, okay, I like it. I like this. It was my like second band. I kind of like put my arms around and embraced. The third one that's still in the same time, but I, it's again kind of like Bad Religion, was an older band. I didn't really know it at the time, was Social Distortion. Big Mike Ness fan. Um, Mike is that kind of guy that you're having a crappy day, just throw on social D because Mike's been there. <laughs> Mike, no, no, probably, there's no play, no question of that. Mike's probably been into all the shit you ever have felt in life. Mike has probably has a song about it. And then for me, the last one was the band that introduced me to like, the, you, we were talking about the Descendants, not the band, but like the Descendants of Bands, but I love Descendants. Uh, but you know, the, the second band that came after. And for me, or that second wave that came after that first wave, uh, that was Alkaline Trio. I think what Matt and Dan brought or bring is this different way of, they, were at, they added more of a macabre soundtrack to it. Like they kind of took what worked with the Misfits and then brought it and made it new. And I think that, so if you were going to, so there, you asked me my big four, for me, it'd be Green Day, Bad Religion, Social Distortion, and Alkaline Trio. 
That's that's a an impressive impressive list of 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 great great bands all around. Um, and you're right, they all kind of hit different things, right? Right. Bad Bad Religion is like the punk band because like they were talking about society and they right. you know. I mean, you listen to the lyrics of 21st Century Digital Boy, which is a banger of a song, and like you think that that song came out what in the mid to late 90s before the 21st century and aren't we all 21st century digital like honestly yeah now? i mean just oh man i remember hearing that song for the first time and i'm like wow he is really kind of summed up how i feel about myself at the moment i mean it really it was it was like well you know it's funny uh i also obviously green day is uh, just an essential uh band for me a similar similar thing where green day kind of was like the how i discovered that punk was even a thing if that makes right. sense like no, i know it does no it makes total I, sense i, I didn't know sense. what that was i just know that i heard i think what, what those every single on the on dookie like i would hear those songs and i would just be like what is it was like what is this what mm -hmm. this it just felt like everything i was waiting for in music i think you know, I grew up kind of like, as most people do, like my parents were playing music. My dad was a big, is a big rock fan and had tons of CDs and, you know, he had his favorite, I mean, he, like the Beatles and, and, and Bruce Springsteen and Billy Joel and, you know, all that's well, Billy Joel. Cause we're from Long Island. And it was like, you had to, like every house came it, with it, the entire. It's, it come, yes. It, uh, it's, it's like a catalog it comes in the mail. It's by requirement, but you know, and, and, but I didn't, he didn't have punk. He didn't like punk. And to this day, like, it's just something like, I just don't like the sound my dad says. I'm like, okay, there it is. You never get into it. But like, Green Day was like, oh, you have not been looking in this direction. And guess what? If you like Green Day, you're going to like all these other bands. And, mm -hmm. you know, and suddenly, like, for me, it was me seeking out, this is back before we had spotify at our disposal and like literally i was like i like green day and some kid would be like well if you like green day then you're gonna like the offspring or you're gonna right. like you're gonna like mill and colin well like you get to mill and colin eventually but mill and colin rocks anyway uh <laughs> but yeah you, you get to the bouncing souls like oh you like they're, they're from new jersey and they're like they're like you well, and it was more like wait there are punk fans in new jersey that's like one state away and then that would make you think well what what bands are here? Like, are there bands here? Like, no, Green Day is that introduction. hundred percent. It's the introduction to, to, for both of us and where it's like, where it's the, the well, we did a Venn diagram. That's the Venn. I, I brought a Venn diagram now twice. Uh, but if you did a Venn diagram, that's the vent. That's the center right there. It's Green Day, the starting point for both of us. Where'd you go from there? Well, actually, Green Day's not on my, not even on my, uh, my, my Mount Rushmore. I it's actually, not even your Mount Rushmore. Oh, I'm even more well, excited now. Well, that's because here's the thing. We 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 look. We're gonna we're gonna pull the curtain back. Uh, Phil and I discussed this before the the first zero episode mm -hmm. of our podcast, and to think about the Mount Rushmore. And I really wanted to come in here and be like, just flex and be like, well, obviously it's the Descendants, the Misfits, Minor Threat, and Jawbreaker. I mean, uh, and then and then like every you know every music snob will respect me, and oh, yeah. because I'm like, look at the and don't get me wrong, I think all those bands are super influential to what became the punk and emo scene that we really you know thrived in and mm -hmm. you said it, alkaline trio is a perfect example there is a, a alkaline trio is descendants meets misfits like their buddies you know, right yeah yeah, they're yeah. Like, if, yeah if they had a child that's what if descendants and the misfits had a child it would look like alkaline trio yeah or sound like it yeah 
but what I decided I was thinking about it, I'm like, I'm like, I, I have my list, but I decided to kind of like, I'm going to shoot from the hip a little bit and just go. Like, I, I I couldn't, I couldn't land on my top four because much like my music taste there, there, there's, there's times yes. where it would change. It was like, all right, 16 year old me. What would you say? Right. And I still think to I, because this is why I went with these four. If it wasn't for these four, for me, I wouldn't have found the others. Right. Like this is the starting point for me. This is what um, looking back where my influence starts is these, these four bands really um, in different, in different ways. That's cool. That's great. Yeah. I, I think that's the way to do it. I decided to not do that. That's why green day is not on mine. They should be, okay. cause, but if I went that way, I'm not, I'm it's not going easy to answer it. It's it, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm looking at it now just at like what, what the last 20 years of punk emo kind of like, what rose the top of that genre that that I've loved mm. so much for so long. Um, and for me, this is my my current iteration. It is Taking Back Sunday. Okay, good choice. Uh, mostly, I think, because we are paying homage to the diner life on Long Island. And they are, I mean, look, they are that uh, Tell All Your Friends is an absolute classic it's 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 lightning in a bottle it it's it just to me represents everything that punk emo bands could be it's it's an indie album that is nothing but but callbacks and dueling vocals and and just upbeat tempos and and just sad uh, breakup songs and heartbreak and what uh, i just said same thing twice that's well, fine and they shot a video at our college they sure did they yeah. sure did sure and did. It, because it, just the way that album opened, particularly with, I mean, we'll eventually, I know we'll eventually talk about to all your friends, but like so sick, so sick of being tired and so tired of being, I'm like, what an opening line to an album. Yeah. So nuts. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it's dramatic because it's just full of adolescent angst. And mm -hmm. it's a, that I think that taking back Sunday and their, their, their Long Island roots make it impossible for me not to have them up there. Uh, but next, I would say, while Taking Back Sunday perfected the sing-along with, uh, you know, cute without the E, you hear those opening chords and then everybody's going to jump in and sing along and jump up and down. I have to put the person who kind of uh, deconstructed it all and brought it back down to its roots. And that would be Chris Caraba in Dashboard Confessional. Mm -hmm. uh, because everything that these bands do, he kind of started off doing on his own with just an acoustic guitar right and wrote these very you know basically ripped from the live journal pages uh confessions as they were i think i think i remember him saying mm -hmm. the reason he called the, the outfit dashboard confessional it's because it's late at night you just went through a breakup or something or a fight with a friend or whatever it is or a fight with your parents whatever it is and you're driving and it's just the, the dashboard is your confessional as you just say your your, your feelings and your your deepest darkest emotions come out but i heard that story i'm gonna tell you this i hope to god it's true because if that is true that's one of the greatest band names i've ever heard i it's hope still, so too it, it's still up there honestly it's probably one of the best band names i've ever heard yeah and it's that evolution and what i think that's been amazing about watching him for the last couple decades is he started off with just him very quickly he grew popular he, he added a band then then the albums kind of like went, were more about a band but then like just recently i feel like there was a we'll talk about more of this too there was a resurgence in the last like you know last decade of like all these bands kind of came back right big time but like he came back and like 
he did acoustic tours mm-hmm. in between the band tours and he played with other bands and he went back to the dashboard and and uh and it all culminated i think for me the dashboard experience is it's the song vindicated on the spider-man 2 soundtrack and suddenly Same song yeah suddenly i'm i'm here and i'm like here is emo and spider-man together at last two of the most important things in my <laughs> pop culture life and it all came together with that so dashboard is up there and i'm sure he feels vindicated to know he's on my mount rushmore i i you know i'm sure right now out somewhere uh in southern california he is uh right probably near you uh just popped outside and just started singing it i hope so i hope so all right the next one is tough uh, the next one is there are three bands on my list and i'm gonna say one of them i don't know which one i'm about to say it's blink 182 there it is, there it is. uh it's i was gonna try to like keep it to bands that started after 2000 but blink mm-hmm. they if green day was here's punk blink was like but here's your band yes Yes. And I, I much like most people <laughs> our age group, Blink-182, just, uh, it, it was just, they are the soundtrack makers. They, they've been, they were the biggest band, I think, of, of this genre. And probably, in a lot of ways, the most influential. I feel like Enema the State, by the time that came out, between Enema State and Take Your Pants Off and Jacket, a couple years later, that's when, like, the emo punk scene as we know it that never ceases to make me laugh that title is so funny well you know you know sometimes you gotta take off your pants and jacket you know when you come to the house sometimes you do sometimes you do uh (laughs) yeah so i think i i think back to that that era of blink and you look at like tom for example and he just has that like swoopy emo hair yeah and they're all wearing black at that point. Like they've like, they used to wear all Hurley shirts before and colorful mm-hmm. like surf skate punk stuff. But then by taking a pants off jacket, they're wearing, they're wearing, they're still wearing Dickies, I think, but they're wearing black and, and they are kind of like, I don't know. It's, it's like the, yeah, it's, it's the, it's the pop version of all this. Right. And they do it so well. And it's like, I was actually thinking about Blink-22 the other day is the difference between Blink-22 and every other band I like, for the most part, is like I was thinking about how Blink One Eight Two doesn't actually ever really rock. You know, let me hear me out. I feel like every explain that one. All right, let me hear you on this one. I feel like every other band in this genre, at some point, just like I just like sometimes I'm just like, yes, this this song fucking rocks. And I feel like mm. Blink never really fucking rocks. They just rock a little. They, I don't know. Just, it's hard. To... They it's which is uh, that's such an interesting take because I'm like. I don't know. There's some bangers out there, man. But, but I don't think they're bangers. But they're never just like. And obviously, again, this is a a a, 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 a audio medium. But I'm like thrashing my head here and like yes, yes, yes. And like they don't really do that. But don't get me wrong. I mean, Carousel rocks in its own way. You know, Damn It, of course, rocks. Um, And then you go into even even later songs, later albums like uh, uh, Feeling This. Come on, I mean, it's it's just it's. it gets you it gets you up and and jumping but like i'm just like a never they never like rock and i think that also is because mm. their their drummers are probably the best drummer who ever existed so it's it's a kind of a different i don't i don't know it was, this, this is also the point in the podcast where i should tell you i know nothing about music theory or how music works so all this is just uh emotion based <laughs> as it should be considering yes. the show and, and genre by, of which we speak it is it should be how you feel it's how you feel it's all it's about look my 
you know what? It's a good segue. I'm going to go into it. My buddy James, very smart man. Very much. Do you ever call him? Do you ever call him Saint Jimmy? I. You know what? Maybe next time I see him, I will. Um, <laughs> he's a very smart man. He's very much into the scene, and he made a really great point. I was talking to him about this kind of concept for a show. Um, and he made a really great point. He said, "Like musicians, they come in, they write their song, they spend." 20 minutes, 30 minutes, a few days, working out the lyrics, working out the rhythm, getting to music theory, right? How a song gets built. They're all, they, they work at it. It's short term for them. It's not short term for us. Right. Oh, yeah, like we, it's, I'm telling you, James, very smart man. He's like, explain to it. So I got to give credit to him because I don't want to take it. He deserves it. But his point was so profound. I'm like, wow, you, you are absolutely right. Like musicians come in, Wayne comes in, writes one song right and they get whatever they get out of it but we sit on these songs for years decades and and we get more out of it than they do i love that and that i think that's true i think that's it's but, fascinating to think about that because especially i'm sure you know you talk to to the people in these bands you know we are in such a look 2023 turns out to be the 20 year anniversary of 2003 as that's how math works but uh works. 2003 is very quickly being reminded to me that like how many essential uh albums that you know were were all came out that year in fact yeah i mean like the late think later we'll be talking about some albums and i'm like there's a bunch from 2003 on my list of albums i like and like yeah. it's it's i think i wonder i wonder how those bands feel now is because of what you, what your what your friend saint jimmy james said about they 20 years ago, you know, laid down the track for this song, put it out, and here we are 20 years later, and they're probably these songs are probably bigger than they ever were. Ever. To certain people, you know. Well, look at Green Day. Their first big song is a song about masturbation. And they have to live with that song for 30 years to play. Yeah, but don't you feel like they love that still? <laughs> like, I, they probably they probably do. I'm not that's that's uh, yeah, I I'm sure that well that's yes. I would say yes to your answer. Um, yeah. but just imagine, imagine that your first big song is a single, uh, about the, uh, about masturbation and that, that you're going to live with that for the next 30 years, 30 and beyond and beyond. Cause you know, they're not slowing down. All right. We've got through three with you. Take it back Sunday. Our friends, DC dashboard professional. And you got blink. Yes. Where are we going to land in the end? Well, what's missing here is. You know, my favorite aesthetic goes back to the Misfits. It goes back to the, the goth punk world. Mm -hmm. You know, I got dark, a feeling. I got a feeling. I got a feeling. The darkness. Uh, you know, I love comic books. I love world building. I love uh, vampires. I love, uh, you know, emotion and taking taking punk, taking emo into this whole other, larger than life, uh, kind of. Uh, you know, uh, evil imagery at times, but not evil, like skeletons and, uh, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm rambling here because I just want to talk about my favorite band of all time, My Chemical Romance. My Chemical Romance. I had a feeling this was coming. I did. I, I mean, they could not, they could, they could just take over every spot on, on the Mount Rushmore for, for what I care. They are the distillation of everything I like in music and they just put it all together and I'm like this is exactly what I want it, it, it does everything it rocks it their songs and it's funny to the casual 
person who hears my chemical romance, they might hear Helena or I'm not okay and be like, oh, it's just emo, sad stuff. And it's like, no, that's not majority of their songs. They are, their story, they are epic storytellers. And they, um, their songs just are so rich with imagery and they're fun and they got this like bratty sass to them. And yeah, I just, I can't get enough. I, I hear you. No, with um, uh, MCR, they're like, they're, yeah, it's bratty and sassy. It's just like, so they embrace that childlike punk rock stuff. We're like, you know, the very fuck you attitude, right? Yeah. That's, that's what I love about them. Uh, but at the same time, the musician musicianship is outstanding for a punk band. Like, and, and let's be honest. I mean, we're not, they're not just four chords and that's the end of it. Um, or if you're the Ramones, three chords. <laughs> um, they are, they, they write bangers, like absolute bangers of songs. Amazing. And, and, you know, they haven't put out, they just put out their first new song in like almost a decade and it came out and, um, Foundations of Decay is the name of the song. If you haven't listened to it, I listened to it a hundred times in the first day week it came out. It doesn't matter. It is, and it really is for the first new My Chemical Romance song in many, many years. It was like a perfect like representation of what they all do so well. Mm-hmm. Because it's like the metaphoric epic story and world it builds with imagery of like towers and someone walking through a desolate waste. Like it just, it just, and then it just like, breaks down and rocks in ways that like at times I'm like oh my god this almost sounds like saves a day at times and this time now this sounds like you know uh it's obviously the Iron Maiden (laughs) influences in the guitars and like it just it's I don't know it's they they are that particular I I feel like that's like the dark tower if the dark tower is Stephen King but that was a, a song I feel like that would be the song well, that's exactly, it is Dark Tower. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you feel like it. You can, like, yeah. take that song and you just go into this world. And it's, I don't know, it's, it, it really is impressed me. And that's, you know, and you said it yourself, the musicianship of them. I mean, that's what makes them, you know, that's why we are here years later. They had, they had went on hiatus or broke up for whatever it was in, like, 2013 and then just came back, you know, mm-hmm. in 2019, which somehow <laughs> I was very fortunate that I got tickets to the return show, which was, Hands down, shout out the dashboard. Uh, hands down, one of the greatest concerts I ever into my life because I had loved that band pretty much since they first started coming around in their their little white tour van. And I I saw my Chemical Romance open for the first time for Finch and the Used, and I want to say oh, this geez. is like two thousand late two thousand two early two thousand three, and it was my first time. I had already kind of heard their album. And I was like obsessed with it. Um, they had a song about vampires, which got me in right away. But then I was like mm. lose my mind about it. And uh, I love the whole album so much. And they came on stage and I don't know anything about a I don't know anything about the music industry, but I knew that this band was so different than every other band in the scene. They just had this like, uh, this this energy and this like captivation. And there's Gerard on stage in this like dirty leather jacket. And just right. like, it was just like, oh, what is this? Cause this is, this is bigger than all this stuff. This is, this is the thing. It's- and yeah. And then going to the return show, I had all that. In, and I was standing around talking to a bunch of people and they were all like speculating, what are they going to open up with? The band's been gone for seven years. What are they going to open up with? Mm. And I'm happy to say they uh, they opened up with uh, I'm Not Okay, which was like the perfect like banger just to be like, we're back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And to experience it at one point, Gerard, I think, asked the crowd, how many people here at their first Blank Chemical Romance show? 
and I would say 75% of the people were at their first My Chemical Romance show, which means no it was an kidding. entire generation who now grew up with them without ever seeing them. And I'm so happy to have been in there because the, the energy there was like something I hadn't felt in years. Yeah. And it, it, and it was a really uh, special, a special experience. I, I remember seeing um, on the Black Parade tour, they played, it was Arena, right? Black Black Parade's big album. They had, they were doing Arena tour. It was them, whew, them, Rise Against, and I forget who was in, it was the front. I remember being very unimpressed with Rise Against, which is sad because I'm a big Rise Against fan. But like it just the the vote the um the audio levels were just so garbled you couldn't like even mm-hmm. understand it. But then my coming you know they come out and it, like just rip right through all the Black Parade. And I was always like, wow, this I, at this point you had told me about them. You were actually the reason I got into them. You were like, check out this band. I was like, mm-hmm. you know, usually you you told me to check someone out. I was like, eh, go check it out. Let's see what it's like. Um, sometimes it's a hit. Sometimes it's a miss. Uh, like I, I wasn't big in Sparta, right? But I liked uh, at the drive-thru. Anyway, you had mentioned that one. Um, so I go see, we're, we're see my wife and I are there. Actually, we were married at that point. Yeah, we might've been. Anyway, so we were there and we, they come out, they rip through the Black Parade, they kill it, start to finish. I mean, it's amazing. They got the costumes on and all this. And then they don't even leave the stage, right? You know, and Gerard takes off the jacket. He's like, get this fucking uniform off me, like whips it across the stage. And they immediately go into, I'm not okay. And they start doing all the other, the songs from the first two albums. I mean, and I remember watching them. They're like, I mean, they're like a pop band, right? They can, they, they are, they can control an audience like a pop band does, which is just goes to show you how big of a band they really are. I think there's waves. Yep. You know, um, so we talked about before with Green Day. Green Day was a way to descendants, being one band leading to the next, leading to the next. You had Green Day comes in, introduced all of us to the the, the sound. Um, because there was a vacuum, and as we know, nature hates a vacuum at that point. And Green Day came in and filled that vacuum. Um, and then from there, you had Blink 182. They come up right to the next level. Um, and then I feel like MCR is the next band that kind of took it to the next level and made it even bigger than all that. And I don't know who's doing it now. I don't. I don't have an opinion on that one just yet. But I feel over the last twenty-ish years, those are the three that kind. I would agree with you there. Kind of flow into one another. Yeah. And to really push the genre forward. Well, I I don't know if you this blew, this blew my mind. Uh, if you haven't read it, uh, Dan Ozzy's sellout. Mm-hmm. Is, very good is the is the best book on this scene i think ever um and basically what he does is he starts with green day and he talks right. about a, a different band who went signed to a major label from like 2000 from 1994 to about 2007 and he has a chapter on each of these bands and the through line which i think is amazing from green day to my chemical romance is like the producer robert cavillo of dookie right. produced my chem uh i believe was it three three cheers three right? cheers and yeah. um and black raid so black it's raid. just it's just it's interesting learning about like as i said i don't know much about the music industry and how it actually right. works but it, when you start to realize like oh same producer or same same mixer um i mean the big one i i that's come up over and over again is uh jerry finn i uh he his legacy of the bands i mean he did alkaline trio he did blinks big albums you know the self the untitled blink album which is like their i think their masterpiece and then also afi sing the sorrow like you know i mean like you start to like look at like yeah or, or did he do afi just December underground maybe it was that one doesn't matter point is 
he had his hands on some incredible albums and it's just interesting to see that that person who, who did all that well, it's, it's, maybe maybe down the road we should do an episode about producers not the bands oh interesting why not i just think about that like imagine a whole rob cavallo episode i mean uh, it's like let's get into butch vig real quick you know bring in all, the, all the different bands he broke i mean uh, but oh that'd be interesting that would be i'm gonna write that one down uh, another one we we hit upon it, and I'm gonna I'm gonna suggest it down the road. Listen for it, kids. It'll happen. Uh, 1995 versus 2003. What's the better year? 2003. See, oh, I'm, I'm not like, supposed to answer that yet. No, no I'm like, see, I'm on the fence. And see, I'm like, naturally, I'm like 95. I don't know. A lot of bands broke 95. As someone Steve, who is uh, wasting down. all their money on these 20th anniversary tours this year, I can tell you, <laughs> 2000. <laughs> so, all not right, wasting, kids. not wasting, happily. Happily investing in and, my own entertainment and uh, good yeah. nature. Yep. So, the folks at home, be prepared. Down the road, the debate will happen. Ninety-five versus two thousand three. Phil versus Jeff. We'll find out what happens. You know, Phil, we haven't really talked about what this podcast is going to be, and and we want to like, we're going to be doing this week to week. And what we're this is a very different episode. Again, episode, issue zero, right. uh, foil cover Listen. on one side, one variant right. uh, bag bag with a trading card of Phil, and the other one. Uh, some more comic book humor for you. Uh, we are going to be spending every episode going forward on one album. Right. We're going to, we're just going to, that's what we're going to do. That's going to be the basis of our conversation is talking about that album, why we love it, what we think about it now. We're going to re-listen to it the week before we, we record. And we're also going to be inviting guests on uh, people we know from, from our days of going to shows back in the day to people we've now met over the years who we've bonded with over our love for this music. So that's going to be kind of the whole feeling. And if, if you're listening to this on Spotify, you're going to be able to hear songs that we choose to play along. And I feel like, Phil, we're at that point now. I think we've, we've, we've finished part one of this episode. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should play a song for, 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 the, for the kids at home and the uh, senior citizens at home. <laughs> what uh what do you, what do you suggestion well i think i would i'd like you to pick a song oh you want to pick let's go you know what i'm gonna go back and look at our lists why don't you look at your at your mount rushmore and and choose a song for one of the bands you know you're on the spot so you don't have to have a a deep meaning reason for it it could just rock uh let's let's just you know what let's go with the one that got me going no i was gonna do i'm gonna do alkaline trio I was leaning towards Stupid Kid. I've decided to go against it. Wow. I know, what, right? What, I know. What's happening instead of Stupid Kid? Is it going to be off the same album? No, I'm actually going to go. I'm actually going to go. Well, no, maybe I will keep it. You know what? Fuck it. Let's just play Maybe I'll Catch Fire. Wow. That 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 turned that turned left there. We, we thought I thought you were going to go back and say, let's do Stupid Kid, but maybe I'll no. catch fire. Maybe I'll um, catch fire. Let's go. So, yeah. So if you're listening on Spotify, the song will just come on. If you're listening to this another way maybe on youtube watching uh phil's pretty face then uh why don't you just pause right now and go listen to it so before we play out with the song let's end up that remember to check us out on youtube at millennial diner podcast as well as on instagram millennial potter potter <laughs> millennial diner podcast on instagram and also here on spotify